You're listening to the FMC Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Okay. Good morning and welcome to the FMC Podcast. My name is Matt Spazali. And I'm Jonathan Keel. We're happy you're joining us today. Um, we'll start off with a prayer. That was uh, Jonathan just fell out of his chair. Uh, <laughs> I'll let him get back up. Uh, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we uh, we praise you and we thank you for another beautiful day and for the opportunity to explore uh, our understanding of you, to explore the teachings of your church, and um, to just set ourselves at the disposal of the Holy Spirit um, in all that we do and all that we discuss here this morning. Uh, we pray this all in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So, again, uh, good morning. Today we're... We're, um... Tired and... <laughs> just gonna be... Just gonna be honest about that, but... Uh, we're... We're the earthen vessels that God has apparently chosen for, for this work. So, uh, so um, you, whatever good comes out of this, you'll know it was from God. Because we're not... <laughs> My goodness. Anyway, um, we've got a another... Uh, Document, uh, really just a short speech um, by Pope Francis that um, we're going to use to touch off our conversation here. Um, and it's Pope Francis in April, well, actually, wow, almost exactly a year ago, uh, April, April 9th, 2016. Oh, yeah, wow. Not planned. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, and he is. I guess I don't know who who is he talking to here. Oh, uh, St. Peter's Square. Yeah, this so is a, this is a an audience. Uh, yeah, just so uh, speaking to the people out in uh, St. St. Peter's, uh, and he talks about mercy and alms giving. Um, so maybe Jonathan, you can uh, take um, us from from there, and then we'll just kind of yeah, give our we own just kind of and we i know we've talked a little bit about alms giving before but what we were hoping to do today is just um kind of add an, another layer of depth uh and as we attempt to develop i think um certainly it's been on my mind a lot lately and, and as we're doing this podcast i thought it'd be beautiful to to try and uh, and de- develop through some of our, our talks a spirituality of almsgiving. Um, it's interesting, Pope Francis points out uh, in this audience, he says, it might seem simple to give alms, but we must be careful not to empty this gesture of its importance. Indeed, the term alms comes from the Greek. It actually means mercy. And um, it's fascinating, you know, if you think of uh, the, one of the, the verses last year for me when, when I was living in Peru, um, 
and I was praying about what to do for Lent, uh, a verse came to me, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Um, and then I happened to read that same week, the bull for the year of mercy, um, by Pope Francis. Um, I think it translates in English, the face of mercy Mm -hmm. and Pope Francis also focused on that verse. I desire mercy, uh, and not sacrifice. And when we think of almsgiving, one of the things I'd like to today try and develop, um, for our listeners and really for us is the idea that a true and authentic almsgiving an almsgiving that actually is mercy becomes for us both prayer and fasting and so in a certain sense you could yeah, the, say the perfect Lenten uh Action Right. And and I would even go as far as to say that, you know, we think of the Trinity, one God and three persons. Our God is a family. Um, I I would say that you can also say that um, in a certain sense, prayer, fasting and almsgiving also can be, I wouldn't say so much reduced, but... um, they can be uh, assumed under a, a wider way of thinking of almsgiving. Typically, when we think of almsgiving, I think we we simply think about the external exchange of goods. Hmm. And so when uh, you might say, take a snapshot of almsgiving, and it's going to be one hand opening to another hand receiving. And... I would say that's, you know, certainly one aspect of almsgiving is an exchange of goods. Um, and it, but <clears throat> a when we talk about more um, of the, the true or authentic almsgiving that the scriptures and the church teaching talk about, it's, it, there's so much more to it that true almsgiving... Uh, is not, and, and I would say, is never devoid of fasting. And true almsgiving uh, is prayer. And that's something that we want to kind of develop um, today, working using some of the texts of Scripture and also um, some, um, some of uh, the rich um, teaching of our church and um, so, so that's hopefully what we want to do today. Yeah. Well, they, um, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun, but I, I, um, as you mentioned, the alms giving—that alms giving is fasting and prayer. Um, I think we can. That be, it's that becomes clear when you think about what fasting is. If fasting is a sacrifice of something well period if fasting is a sacrifice of something for yourself then true almsgiving accomplishes that as as you're saying um because you're let's say i i guess in this sense let's it's easier maybe to um use the exchange of goods 
scenario um, to illustrate the this point, but um, fasting is giving something you need. So if I give um, food to someone and it's f- from my need and it or is an actual sacrifice for me, then that's fasting. And in the approach towards the the poor that's prayer as because prayer is turning towards God and if we are conscious of God in our brothers and sisters then it um, the prayer becomes integrated into this whole this act and is um, and releases us from the thing that we something we've been talking about a lot uh, here <laughs> is the the focus on the self it releases us from that um I, I f- the, the pope or at least whoever's translated his stuff i feel like that that word this word navel gazing has come up a lot and it for some it, it sounds interesting and it just mm-hmm. has resonated mm-hmm. with me a lot but it, i think um as we discussed lent often has that character to it for us and that is really not in keeping with um, what you've been seeing from the popes mm-hmm. and all of their Lenten messages. They're saying, "Go to the other." Be you know, almsgiving is the thing. Mm-hmm. It's not um, the fo- the in- this intense inward self focus is not what it. Uh, shouldn't be the focus of Lent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of, um, you know, a parable we covered our first day, the rich man and Lazarus. And I just think of, uh, think of this rich man going into his home and, um, you know, some of the ancient religions uh, used to, and even to some extent, um, you have um, this in, in some of the legislation of the Old Testament, but you take maybe the fat or even I think of um, in, in some of the Greco-Roman uh, religious rites, you'd pour out wine just on the ground. Mm-hmm. And there are these ways of just kind of um, in, in our religious practice, uh, as human beings of just you might say just kind of wasting upon the Lord so uh, you know you would you would pour out you might burn the best the best part of the meat would be what you would sacrifice so that it's it's a way of just kind of uh, giving it to the Lord and 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 that's a beautiful thing but I, I feel as though um, in our in this day today in which we live where uh, the the separation between those who have and those who are not even able to be, um, between those who live very comfortably and those who uh, their life is just a slow dying from the day they were born. Um, when we live in an age like that and we're so aware of it, you know, the, the beauty of the internet uh, we talk, I know it's so easy as in religious circles to just kind of downplay all things that are modern hmm. and um, and see the evil in it. And I definitely see that. I have six children 
my children aren't allowed to uh, even bring the laptop into their bedroom unless the door is open and it's uh, the internet's off or something. It's just I, I recognize that the evils that are there, but we, we nevertheless there's such a great uh, potential for good. And one way I think uh, when we think of alms giving is and prayer is just a greater awareness mm-hmm. of the needs of the world and an, a greater opportunity to bring those needs to our Lord. And again, when I think of um, almsgiving and, and um, you know, uh, this kind of spirituality um, in Joy of the Gospel, we see this a lot. Um, there's a section in, in the, the um, exhortation, Joy of the Gospel, at the very end called Spirit-Filled Evangelizers. And it's basically a... Um, it's it's really a beautiful section on the 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 spirituality of some um of a spirit filled evangelizer, which for Pope Francis is what everyone needs to be. It's not a, it's something that just missionaries do, but it's a spirituality of drawing near to others. And I I just want to like think about that for a minute because so often if I were to show you a a you know, true Catholic spirituality. Someone wants to tell you they're part of the true Catholic spirituality. I remember when I was in RCIA, someone came and said, you want to come to the true Mass? Uh, and uh, I said, oh, man, I, th- I thought I already was going to the true Mass, but what is this Mass? And, uh, oh, you need to come to our church. Uh, and they <clears throat> end up bringing me to this church. And it was, it was a Latin Mass. And... Um, Pretty much the entire time we were around, they just kept, you know, talking about how this was the true mass. This is the true part of it. There was just a lot of focus on themselves. I didn't see any sense of um, of reaching out. It was just kind of this spirituality, if you want to call it that, of of hunkering down, navel gazing, like you said, of building up walls around us and just kind of waiting out this time. And I think, you know, Pope Francis, I love this quote from last week's document. He says, following Jesus demands a good dose of courage, a readiness to trade in the sofa for a pair of walking shoes and to set out on new and uncharted paths, to blaze trails that open up new horizons capable of spreading joy, the joy that is born of God's love and wells up in your hearts with every act of mercy, to take the path of the craziness of our God who teaches us to encounter him in the hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, the friend in trouble, the prisoner, the refuge, the migrant, and the neighbors, our neighbors who feel abandoned. What a beautiful thought. I mean, what a beautiful thought if in our church today, people got as as upset that there were people suffering in this world as the fact that a liturgical translation used thee or thou instead of you and you in the plural. Uh, how beautiful that would be if uh, instead of, you know... Uh, writing an entire blog on what a secretary of a secretary of Pope Francis said about the gay agenda, which seems to come up on my Facebook feed all the time through 
life site news or crisis magazine or something uh instead of that if our hearts were broken for our brothers and sisters just south of us or if our hearts were as broken for the persecuted church in so many middle eastern countries Mm -hmm. i mean that what what a beautiful that's the spirituality that pope francis and i believe jesus christ and his church is calling us to to stop simply taking our treasures digging a hole and burying them while right in front of us people are you know in need it's 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 crazy it's kind of like if you there were like the rich man and lazarus i could just imagine you know if you had a hundred beggars in front of your house starving to death uh but you decided that you were going to uh that day you were just going to eat bread and water and you buried all your food in the backyard like what a missed opportunity mm-hmm. you know why not eat the bread and water still but use that opportunity to take the food that you would have eaten and give it away and in doing that you still would be fasting and yet you would also be meeting a need of your neighbor and and I want to um, give uh, take a a break for a minute um, to give Matt a a chance to speak to this because I want to come back to uh, this idea um, sure. in just a moment. Yeah, I, um, as we were talking about um, what we were going, uh, as we were preparing for this podcast, I, I found myself feeling uncomfortable with the with the subject matter um, because I had an experience uh, just this past week that really. Um, really affected me and I I think at the outset I want to say and it's something that we've said before um, all the things we're talking about here are things that we ourselves struggle with um, and we don't want to come off like uh, self-righteous pontificators or of all these things like these the teachings of Jesus are difficult Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think more than anything we we want to bring that up the idea that it's not easy um anyone who tells you that what Jesus requires of us is easy or and just oh man yeah I just pretty much do it perfectly each day I I just say my rosary and then then it just happens um that does that's not an authentic in my experience that just is not the way it works following christ is a struggle on earth we are in a struggle between our ourselves and we have an actual enemy in the devil and we're we're struggling to follow jesus so um i just i wanted to make that uh, you know, reiterate that that everything we're talking about is these are things that we're that we you know that we need to follow as much as any uh, one that may be listening to this, um, and we're failing at it <laughs> too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, gosh, it was so um, stark 
this this thing. I, I went to so I went to see uh, Radiohead in um, in New Orleans on Monday. They're one of my favorite bands, and one of my best friends and um, a generous uh, benefactor of mine invited me to go to the concert for free and we had great seats and it was just like <laughs> it's one of those things God I, I would have wouldn't have expected uh, becoming a missionary that then I would get to do these kind of things but the Lord blesses us in, in crazy ways sometimes um, so uh, it was a great concert and um, and after that, I was driving us home, um, and so this is in New Orleans, under one of the highways, kind of getting back on, and uh, a guy is begging on the street, and he's, this is around midnight, it's late, he's standing there at the street, at the stoplight, and it's red, and I'm I'm first in line um, there. And in that that split second, for those of you who have listened to this podcast before, that you'll you'll recognize this story because Jonathan was talking about the exact an exact same thing where he and Teresa were in New Orleans, um, and found themselves ignoring. I'm in the same street. Yeah, I mean, it really probably was. Around in the CBD um, area, and like, who knows? Uh, oh, I hope it wasn't this just the same guy. Um, but so, uh, golly, I was looking at this. I, I I saw this situation. It's all happening relatively quickly. I see him, and I, in retrospect, I know for a fact that if I was in the car by myself. I would have rolled down the window and given the guy some money. Um, and, you know, we can, I think we can talk about the, um, whether that's a good idea or not, <laughs> you know, later. But let's just say that in my, in my opinion, it is a good idea. And I'm not going to, um, but I don't want to go too far down, down that road. But let, let's assume for uh, that this was, something God was probably, or that it would have been an opportunity for me to be generous. This was an opportunity for me to be generous to um, uh, see another person and respond to their needs. I know that if I was by myself, I would have done it. And then who knows what the guy does with the money, you know. Uh, But at least I look him in the face and and respond to him but but I didn't um, because I had my friend in the car who's a great guy and another guy was in the back seat who I don't know as well but he seemed like a great guy too but I like inside of me it was like I don't feel like explain like if they question why I gave money to this dude who very easily who knows could use it on drugs or use it to um on alcohol or or who knows what um i didn't feel like explaining myself i didn't feel like really being a witness 
to them. Um, I just wanted to be a guy coming back from a concert and not be the Mr. Christian guy or something. I don't know. And it was like, I just, so the other, the other thing is instead of not looking at the guy, cause I remembered us talking about that as being like a bad idea to ignore him and not even look at him. I looked straight at him and he, then he started cursing me out and I couldn't really hear what he was saying because it was through the window, but he's, he's cursing me out kind of I, like what I'm hearing is like, because I looked at him and smiled and he's like, don't, don't smile at me, man. You know? And like, uh, in that instance, I was, I was like, oh man, I, I really, I, I just felt like I failed this guy because I looked at him and then didn't do anything. And I'm imagining that was, I feel like that's what he was reacting to. Like, wait, you, do you think you, know, you just look now? Yeah. What do you look at me? I don't care about that. Um, which I think like ignoring him, maybe that, you know, maybe it's, it is better even if I, you know, to give him a smile rather than nothing. Um, but in that moment, I could have done more. I could have easily done more, and I didn't because um, I was being cowardly in that moment and not really wanting to to deal with the consequences of. And who knows? Like my friends could have just been like, "Oh, that was re- man, that was great. That was that was a nice thing to do." Or or they could have been like, "Yeah, let me give you some or some money to give him as well." Um, but I bring that up because not uh, it was just we've been talking about this stuff in this podcast. We've been talking about responding to the needs of other people, and I'm here at Big Woods uh, in a community of amazing Christian Catholic people, and. I don't get to get out of Big Woods a whole lot and encounter the poor in that way. And that and then there's just like this one opportunity that I have and I blow it and it's like, golly, uh, how am I going to talk to people about almsgiving? Um, and that's not to say that it's been my, the only opportunity I've ever had and I failed at it. I, there have been times when I have responded and I also believe that the work I know that the work that I'm doing with FMC is helping people and it is a great sacrifice for me. Um, So I I don't want to make it seem like I think everything I do is just for nothing or that, you know, because this could then come, come up as inauthentic, like, oh, yeah, this guy who he's beating himself up for this thing like uh that's who cares about that it, it it i know that it's not the end of the world um but i bring it up because it's something that was just troubling to me and i i saw in that moment like 
um, I let that guy down. It felt like, and and Jesus, and and then let let go of an opportunity to authentically talk about you know to have like some uh, organic way of these issues coming up in conversation with friends of mine instead of forcing it in some way like this would be they'd be like well why did you do that you know in the in a sense almost the worst case scenario where they're questioning my motives or questioning what I did then I give it have an, a chance to explain that and that would have been so beautiful um and you know I, I it's just it's a struggle to do these things even that such a small little action um it's a struggle but I I know for an absolute fact it's a struggle that I am going to continue on and one that God is calling us to. Mm. Yeah, it's... um, I think, you know, I definitely have struggled with all of these things and, uh, you know, asking ourselves questions, asking the question, what's this person going to do with... Mm -hmm. uh, you know the money I give them. I thought of this funny movie uh, <laughs> yeah. from the eighties uh, called Brewster's Millions. It's like this movie. It's kind of a ridiculous movie with um, Richard Pryor. He's like a minor league baseball player, and uh, he's he's kind of given this challenge of spending thirty million dollars in thirty days, and if he can do this, then he'll inherit three hundred million. But he can't tell anybody about this. And so I thought of, you know, if I went to the average person uh, and I began talking about almsgiving, generally you get all sorts of, well, I don't want to give money to that person. They're going to spend it on alcohol. They're going to spend it on wine and this and that. And, and I, and I just thought it's kind of an interesting experience, kind of one of those hidden cam candid camera moments. You know, if we set up a camera and, um, I'm actually looking at a little camera right now. We're in a, uh, in the studio here. And oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a, a video camera warning on the outside of the window, although that's, this uh, has nothing like that now. It's from whoever owned this before they donated it to the, the mission company. But um, <clears throat> I thought, you know, what if we took uh, somebody and gave them, you know, $1,000 at a park uh, in downtown any American city and said, you know, if you can uh, give this away within 10 minutes then I'll double it and you could go home with it or something simple like that I wonder how how they would give it away I wonder if they would hesitate I wonder if they would I suspect that they would just run and go give it to the first people that they come across I doubt that they would be up in arms over whether or not this or that per how they spent it and I think the reason just like in Brewster's Million is because at that point he his generosity is self-interested and so he's he wants to get rid of that money because of the 300 million he's going to get and I think if oftentimes 
it's one of those kind of um, false piety scenarios where <clears throat> I really question how many people are truly concerned about the spiritual welfare of, uh, of the homeless person who's asking them um, for money. I, I admit I'm, I'm a little cynical about that. I feel like um, most of the time there's the anger that you that you experience and the dis uh the the put downs i've heard you know the um the this kind of belief that everyone on the streets is just like a drunken mess um it, it reveals a different type of inner person than one that is seeking jesus through the poor in love and just happens to be so concerned that this person may um hurt themselves i I feel like that Hmm. it's interesting to talk that way but when there doesn't seem to be any evidence of that in um one's life yeah Yeah, i mean i think it's interesting um if 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 you if we're gonna say that okay no I'm not gonna give I I would be generous I'd love I'd like to be generous but I'm not gonna do it to this person because I know what he's gonna do with it he's gonna or I I I'm really pretty certain that he's gonna buy drugs or um if he's on the street who you know buy uh, alcohol then if that if that is a response out of genuine um compassion and love for that person then what are you gonna then do if you decide okay then what i want to do is i'm gonna go donate that same money that i would have given him to a shelter that provides help to detox people off of drugs or something like that i think that's a valid you know that would at least show that our hearts are in the right place you know because it's not I don't think it is above um, questioning like how what is the best way to serve these people maybe for you know if you certainly are able to develop a relationship with them you may find that giving them money is just not the best way to do it um, mm-hmm True. And and so if you can develop more of a relationship, then uh, in that situation, you are being Christ to that person, and that's important. Yeah, and now I want to just say, you know, because I, I think I've I, I kind of led us a little, slightly astray, you know. When so when we talk about almsgiving, um, you know, again we're we're being we're focusing a lot on this kind of external almsgiving right. but one of the things we really want to um <clears throat> just take a moment um you know uh when an almsgiving that truly seeks jesus in the needy well that's what we do in prayer we seek jesus in prayer so our almsgiving and we we're truly seeking jesus in the needy can become prayer but when we Fast, we seek to detach ourselves from the world and the things around us. 
and an almsgiving, a, a true and beautiful spiritual almsgiving, is not only one that gives, but it begins with a sacrifice. Um, it begins with not just giving from our surplus, but fasting from our need, and then taking what we fasted from and offering it to God in the poor. And this is a true almsgiving that allows us to give God something. I mean, this is a fascinating reflection I had this week. You know, God, <clears throat> God owns everything. Everything is God's. Nothing is mine uh, besides, you know, my, my free will. But, but nothing is, no goods of this earth are anyone's except for God's. And, and so there's a, this kind of interesting, um, um, you know, you could call it like a challenge. How do you, how do you give God anything? Well, the beauty is, came to me as I was reading Second Corinthians chapter 8, um, chapter 8, verse 9, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, or for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. And so most people, and I think rightly so, apply this to uh, the incarnation um, you know, that Jesus Christ emptied himself of uh, all that, all of his prerogatives, all of his, uh, you know, of, of heaven itself, uh, so that he can become man. But, uh, and through that poverty and his death on the cross, where he even was impoverished of his uh, human life, we might become rich. And, and that's a beautiful thought. And it, um, but another reading informed by divine teaching is to realize that Jesus still today chooses to become poor so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus, God, becomes present, the scriptures teach, and, and, our, and again, divine teaching, the tradition is, that Jesus is present in a special particular way in the poor, in the needy, in the suffering. And when we reach out to the poor, the needy, the suffering, when we give clothes to the naked, when we visit the, the prisoners, the sick, we truly have an opportunity to give God something that he is lacking not in the sense of his divine person any more than Jesus died in his divine person but through taking on human flesh Jesus was able to be impoverished and killed so God today in taking on the human flesh uh, of the poor the suffering the migrant allows himself to experience rejection and poverty but it's not just fruitless it's so that we have an may have an opportunity 
to serve him and to love him. I want to end with just, uh, and then I want to give Matt a chance to speak. Father Regame, again, this <clears throat> great book um, on poverty back written in the, uh, in the 40s, he says, The poor keep our Lord present on earth for us to serve. Without them, we shouldn't know how to put our devotion to him in practice. And it is by giving or refusing this devotion that we are saved or damned. Whoever is generous, Proverbs 19, whoever is gen- 19, 7, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Yeah, I think it's uh, fascinating that idea of um, that you know, the poor are there you know, for those of us who are, are rich and, and as we've mentioned before, we're rich um uh we need the poor and god like jesus is continually there giving us the opportunity to experience him in the poor um it really is it's it's a profound thing and um uh, I find <laughs> find myself almost uh, speechless, in, which is not good for a podcast. But um, <laughs> but like I'm, I just I, it's like man, I want to reflect on that. Um, so, well, you know, um, Pope Francis says, well, you know, when we think of almsgiving, there's this opportunity for almsgiving to be simply a work of justice, or or even. Um, you know, charity, we think of like, uh, you know, giving charitable, uh, giving to charity or just kind of giving, um, things without asking something in return. But, um, in Evangelii Gaudium, Pope Francis says that almsgiving can be a truly mystical experience, what he calls mystical fraternity. Uh, a fraternal love, he defines it as a, a fraternal or brotherly love capable of seeing the sacred grandeur of our neighbor, of finding God in every human being, of tolerating the nuisances of life in common by clinging to the love of God, of opening the heart to divine love and seeking the happiness of others just as their heavenly father does. I think this idea of a spirituality of mystical fraternity or drawing nearer to others, uh, it, it's it's a beautiful bridge between two um, between two false ideas of the spiritual life that I feel oftentimes uh, the spiritual writers warn us of. One is activism. Um, this idea that. Uh, we kind of set aside prayer in order to work. We, we mm-hmm. get out and we're just so busy in social justice. We're so active in um, doing, doing, doing that we, we kind of leave Jesus behind. And I feel in the United States, oftentimes you, it's a sad, tragic thing that you see is that so often I, I, I could think of... Um, Many times you encounter 
Uh, you may go to a social justice conference and notice Jesus isn't even mentioned. Or you mm-hmm. may go, <clears throat> I could think of a few social um, justice uh, Catholic websites, uh, organizations where y- you just don't see anything about Jesus, uh, or maybe not even about God. You may just see a capital M mercy or a capital P peace. And I guess that's supposed to represent some kind of higher um, idea. But the point is, is there becomes this kind of focus on activism and downplaying of that personal relationship uh, and depth of spiritual life that we, we are called to have with our maker. And then you have <clears throat> this whole other group uh, who tend to just live out their faith in seclusion. Uh, and it's a very personal to the point of, uh, you know, where, where uh, social justice and social action, really, you say that and people immediately think that you've somehow jumped off the boat, that you're, uh, yeah. the next thing you're going to be doing is campaigning for Hillary Clinton. And, you know, uh, you're going to be, talking about how we need all need to be pro-choice it's like this this crazy idea right. that a false, a false yeah that if you care for social justice then you must be uh you must also hold to all of these other very un-catholic ideas and i think the beauty of like a true almsgiving is it should be something that's very personal that's very spiritual that's a connection to Jesus. Right. I'm saying this because it's important. We don't just encounter, uh, you know, a like particles of God or some strange thing. We encounter Jesus in the poor. And I think I'm gonna. I want to mention something. I didn't plan on saying any of this, but one day I I used to work at. <clears throat> um, uh, Mount DeSales Academy in Macon, Georgia. I loved, uh, it was a beautiful experience in my life. I worked there for eight years uh, teaching in high school. And I remember one day early on, um, this, it was during the sports award ceremony. And the award ceremonies, I admit, uh, to me were some of the, uh, I just didn't ever look forward to any type of award ceremony of any kind. Uh, and so I tended to tune it out. I tried to tune it in, but I admit I tended to tune it out. And I remember the soccer team, um, the coach got up and he began speaking about his team and to his team. And it was so inspiring and it was so uh, spiritually uplifting. He spoke about the Lord's call in their life. And, and just uh, I hadn't yeah. heard any of the other... <laughs> coaches talk this way and I didn't know this coach he was new so after the um, ceremony since that was really the only part of the whole two hour or so ceremony that actually like I found uh, interesting I I went to him I don't remember his name he wasn't didn't teach there for a, a very long time but I remember saying to him you know, that really blessed me what you said. And I said, you know, I saw Jesus in you when you were speaking and I just blessed me. And he said to me, that blesses me that you saw Jesus in me 
because we Muslims oftentimes, and he began talking, and it dawned on me, he was not, he was a Muslim, uh, but he was teaching, uh, he was a coach at our school. (laughs) He was obviously Middle Eastern, but um, he began talking to me about how, you know, Muslims also uh, respect Jesus and this and that. And I just remember I the, for days at that experience, really, I had to, I went down to the um, chapel where we had the Blessed Sacrament. I just sat and pondered that, um, that of the people there, the one that I recognized Jesus in, <clears throat> which is just as he promised, he never mm-hmm. says, I am present in the christian poor or in your christian neighbor or in your christian king he simply those that word christian isn't a part of it like jesus is the poverty of jesus the beauty of it is that he's willing to even be present to us and those who don't know him and that's a mystery to me as a missionary uh it's it's a it's a it's a a strange mystery that that we encounter Jesus and those who need Jesus. <laughs> yeah. There's, that's not much, not much to say about that. That's it. We have, I think, uh, one thing I was, I was thinking as you were talking <clears throat> about the, the social justice and the, these different camps and, yeah, we've addressed this before about that that's um, a useless and um, destructive bifurcation of the gospel. You know, it, we have we can't separate Jesus from justice, and we can't um, assume that just looking at Jesus in the tabernacle all the time is what we're called to do either um it's got to be both of those and the only thing that we have to offer the poor is true truly the only thing we have to offer is jesus as christians and we can't offer that unless we are in relationship with jesus unless we actually seek to know him um and then it becomes this almost (laughs) this mysterious circular thing because where do we find jesus he tells us he's in in the least of our brothers and sisters, he's in the poor. Whenever we saw him, or, you know, when did we see you, Lord? He said, when I, when you served me in the poor, you saw me. And um, that that's a mystery that we could spin our wheels trying to figure out. Um, and I think so. It, it's certainly a, a beautiful exercise in, in contemplating that. But... It's no good unless we actually uh, put our feet yeah. on the ground and do it. And um, <clears throat> I think we, we, as we wrap up, uh, something I'm thinking of, I, I, uh, I was contacted um, by a guy who went on a mission trip with us down to Mexico um, last year, and he he contacted us through our Facebook page and was like, uh, you know, had a great experience. Where do I go from here? And, and I realized that no one that we had dropped the ball and no one had, had responded to him for a little while. Cause we weren't checking our Facebook messages 
enough, you know, which is, well, you know, anyway. Uh, so I finally got back to him and I didn't have time to really think about what I was saying, which is probably a really good thing. Um, and I was like, man, I just got to respond to this guy as soon as I can. You know, like, sorry, you've been hanging. And it's a dude that I, uh, actually, he was on a trip that I was on and, and that I met and, um, made friends with. And I was like, where do you go from here? Just run to Jesus and run to him in other people um, and it doesn't matter if you don't know what to say to them it doesn't no matter if you don't know what to give to them it's just go out and seek them and God will give you what you need and if like if you have a disastrous encounter with a poor person praise God just keep doing it and if you if you find yourself because I know that as missionaries we find ourselves in these situations all the time I mean that almost seems like what what we're here to do is to like meet the poor and uh, it feel we feel just so inadequate in what are in what we can offer them um, and and I think that it in a, that is right because we personally have so little to offer them but if we offer them if we all we can say is i'm coming to you because i love jesus and and i want you to know him and i want you to know that he loves you um then we've done something and we've taken a step and it's um we shouldn't be discouraged by our inadequacies or the the great task that's for Jesus that's for the Holy Spirit that he's left here on earth um, to the big picture is is in his hands we just need to be the instruments um, and and let ourselves be used in some way and then we, we leave it up to God um, I think yeah I want to and yeah, I have a, um, I want to end with a prayer, but I wanted to say this quote. It's it's quickly becoming one of my favorite quotes. <clears throat> Just one sentence from Joy of the Gospel, section 273. It says, If I can help at least one person to have a better life, that already justifies the offering of my life. And I just, I think of so many of our missionaries who come back after the first year of missions their, their eyes glow as they think of this one person mm-hmm. that, uh, it, and sometimes it's more, but so often it, it's only, it, it may only be one person that you're able to make this beautiful connection with. Um, and I think of a great missionary, um, Rachel Washam, our first year, she would go and meet with this uh, little old lady in General Cepeda, and each week she would go and just read the Bible for half an hour to an hour to this woman. And it got her through that year. It was, it was, it made missions worth it to her. She would glow when she talked about it. her eyes would well up. And I, I imagine that that's the same way that Jesus felt and still feels about uh, her sacrifices that she made. And I, I just think um, it's just a beautiful thought. <clears throat> Evangelii Gaudium 273. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm going to use the collect prayer from the Mass of this uh, upcoming Sunday, <clears throat> the fifth Sunday of Lent. By your help, we beseech you, Lord our God, may we walk eagerly in that same charity with which, out of love for the world, your Son handed himself over to death. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless all of you. We love you. I want to give a special shout out to all the FMC missionaries, wherever you are. Um, If you're in Peru, Taiwan, Mexico, Costa Rica, Haiti, North Africa, Tanzania, the Philippines, India. I think did I get them all? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Oh. You check your Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Somebody <laughs> send me a message. Oh, there's no way. I got it. That's got to be it. <laughs> uh, uh, well, we love all of you, and and if there's been anyone I left out, I'm. Sorry, and that's me. But um, that doesn't mean we don't love you. And just want you to know we're thinking about you, praying for you. If you're uh, out there feeling isolated, uh, we just hope that this podcast could be a little thing that um, connects you with them, with the organization, the home base, and um, we're here for you. All right, everybody else, we love you too. Peace. We appreciate you listening to today's podcast. Please tune in again next week, and we look forward to seeing you. May God bless you.